Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Tomorrow Will Be Great. My name is Julia. And I am Elise. And today we are talking about the art of staying open. In this hard retail climate that we all talk about. Yes, because as many of you guys are probably aware, a lot of different big brand stores, little brand stores, have been closing or pivoting what their business is. And I think it's a big topic and lots of people have lots of feelings. So we are going to share our feelings. While also referencing a lot of articles that we've been reading, I actually feel like maybe once a month I go home and I type in stores and retail closing. Yeah. And maybe other business owners do that too, because it's something we think about a lot. Oh gosh, we're going to make it through this month, but so-and-so isn't. I know, because I don't know about everyone else, but I think the end of Christmas and New Year's for me marked when I started looking at my phone again, I took a big break looking at it. I looked again, and the first thing I saw in 2020 was so many people saying, we're not renewing our lease for this coming mm-hmm. year, and we're either going to online only or we're Just stopping. stopping. And yeah. I know in a previous episode, we talked about brick and mortar versus online only, and I think we mentioned we might get back to it at a certain point, but this is a different angle on the topic. I think this is on the forefront of everyone's mind right now. Yeah. At, I think the beginning of the year, or maybe at the end of last year, opening ceremony mentioned that they were going to be selling their, I guess, their brand identity, that the two owners were going to be stepping down and selling to a larger conglomerate, aka Farfetch, which they're not saying is Farfetch, but it's a thing owned by Farfetch. Everyone loves nested LLCs and companies in this business. Um, And then you also had like Creatures of Comfort. Oh yeah, Creatures of Comfort. closed down earlier this past year. And I I think it was two two or three years ago at this point. Time is just flying really fast. (laughs) Yeah, but it's stores like those which were at the forefront of this, I guess, kind of small retail, small brand. Yeah, I mean, I think both of them, especially opening ceremony, had grown a lot. Mm -hmm. I think I didn't realize the extent to which opening ceremony had grown. I didn't know they had so many locations, first of all. That was a surprise to me. I thought they had two Yeah. But I didn't know they had two other ones as well. Anyway, it's just kind of interesting to see that someone who started pretty small with a really awesome idea and really grew their brand over 15 years, then just kind of ending it. So it makes us wonder about growth and what that looks like now for a small business. Yeah. Because even those are, I guess those are larger small businesses but even like big businesses are, a lot of them are closing, like Forever 21's closing down a lot of stores, Bed Bath & Beyond. So it's not just the small Pier 1 people. Imports, which I'm Pier actually, one. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Pier 1 is closing like 400 stores or something. And Let's see, yeah, just to reference the yeah. articles, we pulled up a couple just today. We're looking at something on Refinery29. We're looking on something at the Business of Fashion, New York yeah. Times. We'll link them all in the show notes. Mm-hmm. These were things we were already thinking about, but we just wanted to give hard facts. Yes. Yeah, like more information, like how Barney's, I feel like Barney's is kind of infamous for kind of shifting and almost closing and going bankrupt. And um, then But now they've purchased. become part of Saks. Which I didn't realize, apparently that happened like two months ago, but... It was an ongoing yeah. saga. Yeah. In which no one knew what was happening, and people were like, someone's bidding on them, and yeah. their debt to take them over. But what's the point of Barney's being taken over by Saks? Like, they each have very different things. They're both department I feel stores. Like that's the, I, well, cause I feel like Barney's kind of hosted this, like, kind of indie. Indie as an in independent designers. designers. And I feel like Saks kind of had a more 
mainstream mainstream kind of just classic idea like they'd have more of like chanel and big names big names versus barney who i feel like would take on a lot of smaller brands which i guess does not bode well for small brands seeing as Saks was able to buy out barney's but you i know. know i'm trying to think back to the barney's in boston plus seeing i'm trying to think so there was barney's opening ceremony and then at the same time, you see other direct-to-consumer lines doing really well. So the mm-hmm. question becomes, what's the point of the store anymore if all brands can just be direct-to-consumer online? And I think people used to say, oh, it's really important to me to try this on. But more and more, we're finding that doesn't really matter to people no. if they can batch order 10 things and then send five back and keep five. If that's possible, why yeah. would they come into a store? So I think we talked about it, I think with Marissa, about how when you're direct-to-consumer, maybe we didn't, but you have better margins because you are going to raise your prices to hit the equivalent, I guess the typical, yeah, and so that you're going to be on par with the typical retail rate um, from a store or from a brand that will sell to a store. And so you have better margins, therefore you can, maybe talk about this on the shipping episode, so you can offer free shipping, free returns, and it just kind of wraps itself into your margin where we can't because we're not working with that four-time markup or whatever. We're working with the typical... I know there's a lot of overlap with some topics we talk about. It's all related. Yeah, and so we can't offer free shipping and free returns because essentially that would just eat our entire margin and essentially potentially end the ability of our store to carry anything. And then we'd have to close our doors and then everyone would be like, oh, that's so sad. But then you'd realize, oh, it's because, I don't want to say it's like the customers weren't there for the store, but it, they didn't make it, or there was just some some disconnect where it didn't become practical or worthwhile to maintain a store. Yeah, and that gets us to the point where, why we wanted to start talking about this, and I don't know if I know anyone who publicly talks about their lease or yeah. their terms or anything, but we are just coming up on our three-year mark, actually, here in February. And we just decided to renew our lease, which was three years. And we were a little bit torn about it because at this point in time, I would say about 80% of our business is online. And I know a lot of people would say, oh my gosh, how could, I can't believe you're sharing that. But yeah. I really feel like that is a trend right now. And people don't want to acknowledge that that's what's happening. And here we are. We're in a pretty big city. Yeah. And on a pretty like shop shoppy street like lots of boutiques very cute showrooms yeah and it's like it might just be that i've heard it's like this in new york too so i don't think moving to new york is the solution to that if anything our in-store sales have stayed the same but online has just grown yeah and the people who do visit us and make purchases in person they're usually coming from out of state even out of the country Mm -hmm. and it's like this is the reason they came to philadelphia or they're passing through and they're stopping through Mm -hmm. so again what i my rent could be a quarter what it is now if i moved into a comparable nice studio in philadelphia so losing the ground floor open window situation but i think that it was worth it to us enough and essentially it's from a branding perspective is Mm -hmm. to have the storefront now the question is does that work for everyone at this point in time if your business is struggling i'm not sure it makes sense for everyone i wouldn't say that everyone should make that decision but it's still sad for me to wake up and see oh so and so closed their shop or is about to close their shop and maybe they're just tired of it maybe they want to do something else it's really it can be grueling sometimes Mm -hmm. or people closing down and becoming just an online only store and again, it's, I feel like we talked about this a lot when you're talking about 
the renewing of the lease and keeping a storefront open, it's that it's not necessarily a step down. It's kind of like a pivot a as pivot, to what a is side step. Yeah, to what is what is a better move for your business? Because if you're losing money on rent every month, and then you could cut your rent in a quarter or less to have the same or more space, and then just have an online only store. That can totally make sense. And then you have much more flexible hours when you work because you don't have to be there at any specific time. Well, I don't think you would yeah. at any specific time. We've also talked about should we shift certain days to being appointment only and then focus on being here full time for longer periods of time for us to get more mm -hmm. things done. But we still like the idea of people just being able to come in when they want throughout the week. But we don't see a need, for instance, a lot of other stores on our street, they stay open till 7 but that just doesn't really make sense for us a lot of time. We don't find when we there are people. There are people. <laughs> like we we can get most of our stuff done between I'd say ten in the morning and five at night, mm -hmm. and then we move on and do the next thing. So it's kind of the whole process of cost benefit analysis, I guess. I mean, I remember too. It's a very recent mindset in which it's considered to be acceptable to brands and legitimate to be an online store. I feel like five years ago when you told someone, oh, I just have an online store, they looked down on you. And a lot of people I reached out to to carry at the time didn't accept that as a viable business partner to have. And I felt like I needed the store to legitimize the purchases I wanted to make. And that still might be true for some people who, I don't want to say that they're old school, but that it's from a different time when you that meet, was the only, that option. Was the only yeah. option. But now I think that you could have a brand new business model and just be an online store mm -hmm. and that that would be considered viable and you wouldn't be looked down upon for that. So even to yeah. me, I still have this deep insecurity of... If I don't have a physical storefront, I'm not a real store. And I mean, in all technicality, that's kind of true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Online You're stores don't exist. Yeah, that is interesting because you went from having a studio for many years to then mm -hmm. having a storefront. And yeah. I always felt so insecure about it, like yeah. it wasn't real. So to me, I know many people, and you and I have talked about, like, oh, if we just got a studio again, would that make more sense? And mm -hmm. I think I would feel like I was a failure if I did yeah. that. I'd rather just stop entirely. Which is not my view. My, <laughs> view was, my view was, like, the lateral shift yeah. to be, like, well, most of our business is online anyway. And then have, like, a nice studio that's just as beautiful and photographable and have, have it be, like, appointment only or have it be, like, still accessible for sure. Like, I think that, that again, that might be, that might be our age gap. That I feel like online shopping's always been a part of my since I've been. I able mean, to it buy has been stuff. for me too. It's more that, or just like as a business. I mean, let's be honest. That there are a group of people, roughly in our age bracket, who do own stores. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the people who have brands, they are much older yes. than us still. Mm -hmm. So they're still in the mindset that online is this weird in between thing. They don't know what yeah. quite what to make of it. So I think all these age gaps actually mm -hmm. does influence who can do business with who. Yeah. Or does or decides to. Yeah. I mean, because we've definitely had some brands who are like, oh, tell me about your store. And they want to know, like, the location of the store, the foot traffic of the store. They Sometimes people want yeah. a video sent to them yeah. of the store. And so I guess you can't really do that if you're a studio in the conventional. Is there a conventional sense of a studio? In my thoughts of a conventional sense yeah, of like a I second mean, floor place. A, sec a place yeah. that is the second floor and not the yeah. ground floor and not open to pedestrian access. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just, it's a very interesting Thing, and I guess a very hard business decision. And so I feel like don't pity people if they go to online only or whatever because they made that decision for a reason. And maybe it's that they didn't want to spend 
all their extra money on rent for a storefront if it was no longer a viable business option for them. And I guess we should be happy that they're still there in some to do regards. It. Yeah. Yeah. And still sharing the perspective. I know. I can totally appreciate the perspective that Elise is saying with, like, they're still a business. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, I can't help but have my own yeah. bias about it, yeah. where I'm just like, they're and not it's real. Not, it's not my business. It's, so it's but like, it's more yeah. that, like, I, that's what I was told for so long, yeah. that this is not a real business unless you have a brick. conditioned. Yes, I've been yeah. negatively conditioned, whereas someone who's Elise is 10 years younger yeah. than me, that she would think, but oh, that's a viable business. Yeah, and, like, because, I mean... Like, who hasn't had, like, an Etsy shop, you know? Like, (laughs) everyone's had an Etsy shop. And for which I am deeply ashamed forever. (laughs) And so it's kind of the thing is that everyone can have an online store. Because now, I mean, it's true. Literally, anyone can have an online store. They can sell anything they want. It does not mean that they will be profitable. It does not mean they will be interesting. It does not mean that people will want to buy from them. It's more that I still think that there is a really important part of the store and the buyer and giving a perspective and a point yeah. of view and I mean, discovery. you can do so much more with branding with an online yeah. store. No, I, you can do that in person, in person. too, for sure. That, that's what merchandising is. But. Yeah. but I feel like an online store maybe is slightly more approachable than... You mean because you can be in your PJs on the couch? Yeah, and you can be, like, just perusing, you're like, oh, I love that dress, and you click on it, you're like, oh, that's, like, a $3,000 dress, like, oh, maybe I won't <laughs> Back be buying out. that. Exit that store. Yeah. And so it's, I think maybe it's more kind of voyeuristic in a sense that you have access to all these beautiful things without having to go physically immerse yourself which is probably not very good especially yeah. but isn't part of you sad more for less for the bigger companies that are closing but isn't it part of you sad yes. to see the small people close mm-hmm. their stores yeah to be honest people it is so hard doing this mm-hmm. i work pretty much every day if i'm not working at the store i'm working from home in yeah. some regard and it can be really draining. Different parts of it are so draining. Mm-hmm. Um, some parts of it are super awesome, yeah. but some parts are kind of draining. Yeah. And so it's, I guess, like, it's the burnout versus keep going versus being like, maybe I don't want to do this. I yeah. mean, I don't want you to say this, but, like, you've been doing this for 10 years. Like, you've been doing it since you were in your early 20s. Yeah. Like, maybe... Don't do not do this. But maybe you're like, I think I want to try something, something else. else. Like, I know. And what I want to be is an FBI agent. <laughs> because that's true. If I was not doing this and I was not married, I would be like, I'm going to be an FBI agent. Like, Peace out. Retail <laughs> universe. Yeah. And so it's kind of, I feel like the people's go-to reactions to pit, like to pity. And I don't know if that's necessarily the right option. Because, you know, and not everyone does what they, not everything is everyone's dream all the time. And I feel like it's totally normal in normal careers for people to switch careers, even, like, every two years, like, switching a job. But if you own your own business, you can't really just, like, start a new job in two years. Yeah, it's true. But it's more definitely a trend now for millennials, Mm -hmm. for younger generations to just have multiple jobs because there aren't one main job for your 30-year mortgage Mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. Things don't work that way anymore. One thing we've also noticed... And correct me if I'm wrong, Elise, because I think this is changing more over time. And granted, we only have three years of data to base this off of. But we have more and more people who Elise dubs the looky-loos. Or the look and loop. The look and loops. Who take a loop around the shop and leave. Yes. And they often like to pull out their cell phone and take a lot of selfies to show that they've been there. That they've been in a beautiful place. Yeah. And they don't... 
even try things on, I think, when yeah. sometimes they do. But then they just take more photos and don't actually purchase anything. Purchase anything. And I don't, honestly, I can't say for certain, I don't think it's a price barrier issue. I And Elise was actually randomly found a little bit in an article about the same kind of thing. And yet, even if opening ceremony had managed to maintain its fashion mecca status... Its ending is almost inevitable, a reflection of the changes in the way that people spend their money. It's not that people don't come to con- don't continue to visit Howard Street. Walk by this Saturday and you'll see tons of kids, mostly tourists and students, passing through its stores. The problem is, they're not there to shop, at least not in the traditional sense. Concept stores, which promise curation and a point of view, are becoming showrooms, especially in the U.S., where price sensitivity is more intense. Stores can generate push traffic but they no longer own the entire customer journey from discovery to purchase. More often than not, the journey now begins online, on Instagram or via Google searches, and ends online too, sometimes with the consumer standing in the store dressing room ordering the item they're trying on via a website where it's already marked down by 30% as an early season sale promotion. <laughs> and I feel like we we experience that too, and we try not to be a part of it, but some of our brands will send us, I think we mentioned this before, like a list of times to start marking down their pieces. And for bigger stores, I think we talked about this part with Marissa. Yes, we did. Um, that they're just very much on a schedule. And they're like, go, go, go. And as little stores, it doesn't make sense to stick to a very strict schedule. So for places like opening ceremony, maybe they didn't need to mark it down yet because it wasn't pressing so hard on their financial goodness versus a bigger store, which is like, we got to gotta keep things moving and so therefore smaller stores are losing out to bigger stores who will bankrupt themselves to try and keep up i mean that's such a loaded article actually or no loaded paragraph there's so much in that paragraph just saying concept stores which i mean i guess if you're gonna put us somewhere in a (laughs) peg rack or in a diagram i'm gonna say we are a concept store because i don't know what else to call us it's kind of saying we're becoming a showroom, which is a place I would say more akin to an art gallery where sales yes. don't happen. And it's kind of like we don't take part in this thing that happens in our neighborhood called First Friday, which mm-hmm. is where all these art galleries open. And pretty much just people come in and they want free wine and cheese. And yeah. we don't do that because people just want free wine and cheese. Yeah. And they'll and they touch the dirty, touchy fingers. Cheesy, needy fingers. <laughs> So we don't do that, but in a way, that's what concept stores are becoming. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, people are like, well, how else can we cash in on this? And the only thing I see concept stores shifting is like, if I add a restaurant in my store, Mm -hmm. I'll be a concept store and a cafe, then my store will Mm -hmm. become successful. And that's, I feel like everyone's answer right now is if I put a cafe in my store, we'll do better business. And I can't say whether that you do or not, but I just can't imagine... Enough. The costs involved in running any food component to your business must just make it crazy. Yeah. I mean, because there was another article um, about Barney's and how Barney's had this place called Fred's. I feel like an idiot. It sounds like a lot of people knew about it, but how it was a big generator for traffic, but not a big money. Like, it obviously did not save Barney's store from having to shut down or, I guess, to be sold. And so it's things like that where I think it's like grasping at straws. Like people are trying to find ways to bring people in. And I don't know if I've told you this or if I sent it to you, but I don't remember who, but there was a shop owner who I follow on Instagram and she posted and she's like, this is so annoying. She's like, I'm not a museum. Like buy something. (laughs) And I was like, 
That's so true. I mean, obviously, in a store like ours, that's not realistic for, for most people. Like, they're not going to come in and buy a thousand dollar dress. And we totally understand that. And this woman had more little things. Gifts and things. Yeah. And I've heard so. that from one of our really good friends. Like, she sold greeting cards and she's like, just buy a fucking greeting card. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, we need to explicit. <laughs> um, but it, it's the thing that then, I mean, because we've been talking a lot about do we bring in lower price point pieces that then we are hoping to be able to move more of in person because it's obviously as we said five seconds oh, as i said five seconds ago it's not everyone who can come in and afford just anything in the store and so then do you start trying to offer lower price point things so people can come in and be like wow i got this really awesome candle or coaster or start or, selling bagus or yeah. something and then you can say well i got it from ren and then it's like having a little piece of this image that you can say like oh i went oh it's a run and all i got was a stupid t-shirt like <laughs> something like that um we've been talking about making tote bags and therefore like having our name on the tote bag a little drawing, a little drawing of like an image from the shop maybe the dog maybe, maybe some the dog some newer. person with fruit i don't yeah. know something like that. something and then to have that be a lower price point where people could then spend 10 or 15 dollars yeah, to have a tote bag but then we're also like, oh my god, we have so many tote bags. Do we need any more? Does anyone need any more tote bags? Even if it would be super cute. So it's just kind of, how do you do that? And then also, a lot of stores, small stores, have been doing house lines. And that's kind of funny, because I feel like this... We went like totally the reverse. opposite direction, like starting with a house line and then tapering off the house line. But yeah, a lot of small stores are starting a lot of ready-to-wear clothing, specifically, and knits. And by doing that... You can get a lower price point for your yeah. retail because there's no middleman. Yeah, and then you're you're matching your the other brand you're carrying because um, you obviously don't want to be like here's a sweater from so and so for five hundred dollars and then here's my sweater for a hundred dollars because then you'll they'll be like well why would I buy the more expensive sweater so you kind of raise everyone up to be on the same level and then you get a much better margin for you and then if you ever want to start selling your house line to other people you can or is it the whole you need exclusives, which is something that I feel like we've been seeing. Yeah, I think that we've been doing best when we can find something that's, like, only at our store mm -hmm. or a few other stores, and that's... Scarcity. A scarcity, which is something really interesting to talk about. It's an unfortunate truth, and we're all... Every store has probably seen something at another store, and they're like, I want that too. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's anything bad about that, because I think... No one could say they're not guilty, and guilty is not yeah. even the right word, but it just happens because you're in the business, you like to market shop, research. market research, whatever, and now it's so easy to do market research, mm -hmm. but I think it's a double-edged sword where mm -hmm. if you're doing that, you have to also remember, Don't what is the word you're doing? You're, you're cannibalizing yeah. your own success in yeah. a way that if you start to do it a lot, other people are going to start mm -hmm. to do it a lot, and then the thing that used to make you money so you could mm -hmm. have your store stay open pay you Everyone pay else, your employees yeah. then it's going to be harder for you to carry it and i think that i've seen so many brands ride this wave where they get popular mm -hmm. really quickly and then the brand and the showroom or the rep is like oh my gosh push 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 yeah, we need to going. get this everywhere and then there's kind of this like two-year platform and then yeah, it drops it falls. whether that's about good distribution like holding it in a little bit so you're mm -hmm. not everywhere having some kind strategic of strategic growth strategic growth and i think a lot of people 
who are doing their own growth in-house and running their own, they can kind of control that. But the second you hand it off to a showroom, they might try to manipulate your brand to be yeah. everywhere or get it to be something it's not. Yeah, that's definitely a concern. And also making sure that you're in appropriate stores for what you are. And just because a store owner may love your pieces to death does not mean that your pieces belong in their store. And in the end, that will work out really poorly for everyone involved because then they'll have to put it on sale. Like if it's if it's too expensive for the store, it's like the completely wrong vibe or all they sell are candles and all of a sudden they bought tons of your jackets. Like it's just not going to, you know, it's not going to work out very well for yeah, anyone. Yeah, and you might lose your original customers yeah. who were kind of rooting for you a lot in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like we are coming up that right now is we're thinking about do we keep doing this? Like we already see sales slowing down for these things that are growing quickly. Do mm -hmm. we, do we pull back and find something new? So it's like almost every three years, I think you need to start finding new, new people person. to add, but it's like, then it's kind of wasteful then too. Cause you're just, Oh, I need to find the next new thing. You need yeah. to find the next new thing. And it's just, then you have to get people to agree to your terms again. And it's yeah. just, everything needs to be recycled. I mean, luckily I think there are some brands who are always going to be on the same page with mm -hmm. you and that's not a problem but it's just like all these things all mushify together yeah and i think th these things really contribute to whether a shop can stay open or not mm -hmm. like distribution is a key factor yeah. for sure but also part of that is customer perception but so um, getting back to what elise was yeah. saying so then you come kind of back full circle like well so then does every concept store every retail store do they need to have their own in-house line now and then are they still a concept store because now they're now with their only concepting own. themselves yeah. that's concepting's not a word <laughs> like it's like go, it's it's de oh, it's not like de-evolutionizing it's just transforming everyone into a direct-to-consumer brand with a sprinkling of other brands, brands. Which is kind of sad. I mean, I think it's good to have your own small little in-house thing, or it's like a separate thing, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I think people need to start thinking outside the box a little bit in yeah. terms of big... Because I used to think, and I've said this before, that if I was in the most stores as possible, that would be winning, and there would be the most income, but I think that will make you have the least income in mm -hmm. the long run. Because they won't, re like, they they won't, won't reorder order from you, and then yeah. everyone will have a hundred of the same green shirt that no one was able to yeah. sell and it's on sale and everyone's taking a loss on it and then everyone's got a bitter taste in their mouth and they're like well i'm not gonna buy from that julia at ren because <laughs> yes. i bought that damn shirt and no one wants it and now i'm like taking a loss on it and so and that's bad yeah. for literally everyone because the store is losing money the designer is losing money well i guess they're losing future potential sales and then everyone's just going to have to close, and it's going to be very sad, and we're going to live in a very boring world. <laughs> but that's just on, like, the vendor-store relationship side. But I think the consumer also has a lot to do with mm -hmm. it. Like, we had someone come in a couple weeks ago, and this was their second time coming in to try something on, and then they got it. But mm -hmm. I remember trying to explain to them that this is one of the brands we carry where it's a brand policy that things just don't oh, go yeah. on sale. And she asked me three times after I told her that, is this on sale? And it was yeah. like that she just couldn't wrap her head around that idea. Yeah, she said, like, I tried this on a couple of months ago, so why isn't it on sale? Like, it's been sitting on your floor. And it's like, well, yes, but also it's a timeless piece, literally a timeless piece. Like, this is a navy pair of pants. Oh, I'm, right I'm actually literally wearing them right now. Um, timeless pants. And so it's also, like, we're not going to disrespect the brand's wishes and put them on sale. And so 
maybe even if we may have put them on sale. I mean, we wouldn't have put them on sale because otherwise the brand would never sell to us again because yeah. we didn't do what we agreed to. Yeah. That's really complicated. That's the moral of that story. <laughs> I think that's the moral of every story. It's really complicated. So maybe more brands should feel more comfortable saying... Having more These are terms. our classic items. Yeah. This is our dress. This is our jacket. These are our pants. These are... We're going to have them every season. You can't put them on yeah. sale. Because I don't see list. what's so bad. I mean, I guess it's bad in that you can't really 100% tell someone what to do. But they should be willing to say, I'm really sorry if you do that. We're not going to sell to you next yeah. time. It's the whole, like, gotta play hardball. But only to a point where you're still, you know, winning a bit. Yeah. Sports are not my forte. But also, I guess as a side note, I didn't make a note about this. But I think it's relevant. Is, is there any correlation? Because... When someone steps back and says, this store has stayed open, this store has stayed open, this store has stayed open, people don't really know why those stores mm. are staying open. Or if they're profiting. Or if they're profiting. Yeah. Some might just be barely getting by. Some might be insanely independently wealthy, which is what I'm finding out more and more yeah. recently, which I, we are not independently no. wealthy. But it's just hard to know why some people are pulling through and others are not. Mm. And it might not make any sense. Like To me, I'm like... Why would opening ceremony close? They were doing some pretty interesting things. Different campaigns, running, and they would always find small designers or people that were really unheard of and be like, hey, what can you do for our store? Whether it's photography or a concept or a product. And they were really good at weaving that in with everything. And so, I don't know, maybe they were just tired and wanted to move on to something else. And that's very yeah. possible. Once you reach a certain point, I can see being like, I want to focus on my family now. Yeah. This is really taking over my whole life. Yeah, because um, not everyone can spend 50 years in a job. Yeah. and But it's just sad to see it become part of Farfetch. Because what Farfetch is going to do is they're just going to turn it into something completely different. Customer email in response to a few podcasts oh, yeah, ago, yeah. a question that we asked everyone was, how is Farfetch letting people receive packages without paying customs or duties? And They're lobbyists! And the answer is, they're lobbyists! <laughs> Which I don't know why I didn't think about. <laughs> because it seems so ridiculous! It seems ridiculous. It seems like something I'd watch on like a TV show. Yeah, like, oh, it's like the secret lobbying the secret, thing that yeah, lobbying of e-commerce and we'll just share she said it was okay a woman named vicky reached out to us who has a shop as well she said and she said that she used to sell on farfetch and she was invited to join and stayed for four years but left because they charged a 35 percent commission 35 percent commission that's like all the money so that's insane first of all and she said and she said for free shipping for the customer well they split it um and she paid the other half of farfetch's negotiated shipping costs was actually quite affordable duties and taxes it's a treat treaty agreement between the country where the merchandise or boutique comes from and our u.s commerce somehow farfetch lobbied for this all orders come into the u.s for zero dollars however this agreement isn't reciprocal i remember an order going to tokyo the customer had to pay almost 50 percent in duties and taxes in japan before dhl delivered her package she was so mad and the merchandise was sent back because she didn't want to pay and then she says retail price if the merchandise from Farfetch is from the same country as the vendor, then the customer pays the local retail price. So sometimes that's why you'll see three different prices listed on Farfetch. <laughs> Did you hear that sound effect again, Elise? What was that again? <laughs> 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 yeah, 
Yeah, it's just so mind-blowing because as a store with two employees and one dog, we have zero lobbying power. Like, we can't do anything. Like, we'll talk to the other person, like, who's equivalent to us at UPS and be like, how can we get this person's order through customs? customs? And, like, it's so crazy to think that there's a legal agreement between a government and an e-commerce site. And it's ridiculous because I'm like, this should be a trade agreement. This should be universal for every business in the U.S., every one in the world. How has some entity gotten so big that they can lobby for this? And you know what? This is relevant to this episode, I think, because we were talking about staying open. And And this is so hard. Yeah, how how can we stay open if... But there's like people lobbying. 35% commission is massive. For reference, like when you sell something on eBay, just to give a commission reference, I think they take 10% and then PayPal takes like a 3% credit card. So, but you kind of price your stuff with that in mind and it's used stuff half of the time. Oh, Garmentory doesn't disclose that information. So who knows so, how much they're taking? So if you know, know, if you know, you can tell us. us. I bet a lot of you do know. You just yeah. don't want to talk about it because yeah. <laughs> all of this information is private. We are sassy. Well, I feel like it's just kind of when you start to look at all this stuff, it starts to make sense as to why a lot of these stores are either closing or they're shifting gears and turning into an online only store. It's just because there's so much to compete with in so many different directions that I'm not really sure. I don't know. I mean, we're doing we're doing well. I don't know how it's possible. I don't, I don't know, know how it's happening. Possible. I don't know how it's happening either. Like we are doing better and we're growing more than we ever have. But I constantly question how is that possible? Like, where are we they kind of from? have this website. We've been running things off of for a while. It, we don't even have a mobile version of our website. We're working, we're working on it. We're working on so many things, and we're doing the best that we can with two employees, one dog, and a half a husband sometimes. Well, it's a full, full human. Full human. Half, half work. Half work. Yeah. <laughs> we're laughing a lot. Sorry, everybody. Because <laughs> it's so ridiculous that it's incredible that any of this is even possible, and that as a store with no marketing budget, yeah. no paid, well, I guess paid advertisements equals marketing. Marketing. But, like, I guess it's just word of mouth is really strong, I suppose. Or it's, like, people, I remember in Boston, someone gave me their opinion about something a long time ago. I forget what they said. They said, the second you take your face or your voice away from your company or brand, people are going to be less interested in it. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of why we're doing things like this, to show you that we are people. And it's, like, that's the only thing I think we have that they don't, that that these yeah. bigger companies don't have. They and, don't have a marketing department. But if you're a store and you're being reached out to by Garmentory, by Farfetch, from other platforms I'm not as familiar with, I would ask yourself, what is this really going to add yeah. for you? If it's you need to get rid of sale merchandise because you have all this stuff on your shelves, you need the cash flow, I mean, maybe consider just putting your sale pieces on there, but don't yeah. have your brand identity ride off of these other platforms. It's just not going to be good for you. That would yeah. be my major piece of advice to people considering that. Or if you're on there and you're not in some weird contract you can't get out of, like, yeah. get out of it. Because I don't understand how it's possible. I feel like that's the moral of this. How is this all possible? possible. And the answer is it's yeah. really possible and we've let it all happen because yeah. we want things easy, we want things free, we want things as cheap as possible. It's all related and connected. It's just, it's it's really, it's incredible to think about, which I don't think that people think about I mean, I don't think that we really think about it this deeply because otherwise it would be very sad. But it's just kind of, I don't know. 
as we always say, it's interesting. It's interesting. Our yeah. t-shirt phrase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's so many things going against stores, but also in this day and age, there's so many things going for them because anyone can have a store. Anyone can take a picture. Like everyone, well, not anyone, but a lot of people have cell phones and most cell phones can take pictures. So most people can take a pretty good looking photo and put it on the website yeah. that they can I, make for free on some places or like Etsy where you take a small commission. And so it's kind of incredible that people can make a living off of this. Yeah. And then when I think about, I don't know, Elise, what do you think everything will look like in five years, in 10 years? Like, I mean, I know it's hard to know yeah. what shifts will happen, but I don't is, think this is my own brilliant thought. I think I heard someone else saying it. But it's like, is it going to become cool again to go shopping? Like how records came back? <laughs> oh, that's like, a funny thought. I forget. Someone totally said that. I have no recollection of who. I'm very sorry if you if you said it. Please let me know. But it's like how records were so obsolete as soon as like the tape deck came out and then the CD came out and and all of a sudden everyone's like, I want a tape deck or no one wants a tape deck. I'm sorry, tape decks. Everyone's like, I want records. It's like how everyone now wants records and turntables and how they're now cool and in vogue and so maybe. Maybe that's the way retail is going to go. It's kind of going to have a lull and then come back. But again, it's like, what what makes the record cool again and, and not the tape deck or the CD? Is that, how do we know retail is going to be, or physical retail is going to be the record and not the tape deck? Do, yeah. do, do. Do, do, do. <laughs> I know the tape deck hasn't really had its resurgence, had its resurgence yet. No. Maybe it still will. That's not really good. But, but retail's what pretty. Think, but what do you think? Do you think that that's possible, or it will be come like a a pastime that no one really yeah. has anymore? Or the question is like the time that it would take me when I think about it to go to the Aesop store in downtown Philly mm-hmm. with a dog, with my <laughs> husband, figuring it all out versus yeah. the time it takes me to order them online. Like I've done both. Yeah. So my question is, what are if people are gaining back a lot of time? Let's say it's all about time management. But what are you doing with the time? Yeah, the question is, what are they doing with are their you, time? Are you now? working more? Are you putting more hours in at work? Are you having more fun somewhere? Going yeah, hiking. Or are you like cooking a full dinner? Or are you just spending all that time online shopping? Yeah, I mean, because that's gonna be honest. Basically, what I do when I get home after making <laughs> dinner is I like either listen to podcasts or like watch TV in the background and kind of like I like to say bop around the internet which like it's an activity yeah, a physical like activity. it's i'm doing something I'm bopping around because it's like it's going from pinterest to like looking at blogs if there are any blogs left to like online shopping and i'm not actually i don't need anything like i'm not looking for anything yeah and actually i do need something but I, that my goal is tomorrow on my day off to go buy a watering can like i'm not gonna order a watering can <laughs> online and so it's kind of I could order a watering can on Amazon, but I feel like that's a lot less fulfilling. And also, I need a reason to get out. <laughs> that might just be, like, a me problem, <laughs> but it's kind of the whole, are we just becoming lazier? Lazy, like the people in Wally. I know, I was just, yeah. I think we referenced the people yeah. in Wally in their little chairs like before, little but that's my deepest fear, is that what's yeah. ever going to come? It's like this screen and... You know, I don't know, when kids are yeah. introduced to them when they're toddlers and they have their screen. And mm-hmm. I know parents got to do what they got to do to keep yeah. their kid happy out in the world. I get that. Now that I have a dog, I kind of get that. And you're like, I wish I could just sit my dog in front of an iPad. <laughs> and not have to entertain her with, like, yeah. a stuffed frog every ten minutes. But Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I like to think that 
there is some fun to the search, and I feel like yeah. the physical searching is a bit more fun. But I mean, I guess the thing that I mostly, the things I mostly shop for are groceries and vintage clothing. In person, yeah. Because yeah. listing vintage clothing online is very challenging. And, like, the sizing is hard. And again, like, that's hard for contemporary retail as well. But that's why I was always trying to offer as much help as possible to our wonderful customers. Um, so it's just kind of, there's a lot of different things to consider and how stores can be relevant. And then what kind of store stays relevant I know, because I'm trying to think, okay, let's, at least now it's your turn to ask, so ask me the same question. Yeah. What was the question? The question. <laughs> the question. I'll ask myself the question. Where do I think oh, yeah, where do you think retail five, five years? years? I don't know. I think we're just going to keep seeing a lot more closures, and there's going to be a growing, kind of like we talk about the, the gap in the economy yeah. between the 1% and the rest of us. I think there's going to be a growing gap where having a store is a leisure activity, yeah. which I mean, it's true for a lot of people and that people kind of like us who've worked really hard to get where mm -hmm. they are, just like as it's their job, there's going to be fewer and fewer of us and yeah. the bar to entry is going to mm -hmm. get higher and higher, or maybe it will get lower because of the like online rental. and you don't need the rent you could do also when rent go down like when you expect rent to go down you would and that's less the demand. other thing is like rent and you know, commercial rent is this yeah. whole other thing that is very complicated quite, very complicated very high Arbitrary. but i and then you see all these rents in new york that are like twenty thousand dollars a month for a very small space and like how could you do that are the landlords going to learn that they can't their property isn't worth that and rental mm -hmm. income anymore that why would anyone pay that when they can just be a direct-to-consumer or yeah. whatever online store? I'm not sure. I think landlords have some catching up to do. Because people who own buildings tend to be older people yeah. who have a lot of money, and they are not as They're just like, well, you need a store, so yeah, I have a store. store so exactly. But they don't it. understand that it's more complicated yeah. than that these days. Because technically, I mean, we could technically, not saying we should do this, but we could run the store out of your house. We could. I yeah. probably drive myself crazy yeah. but but we I, could. I could do it we have yeah. empty rooms and yeah, things you know. yeah brb moving everything to, to my house, house. <laughs> and you can come to my house <laughs> um it's just like it's that kind of thing is that yes it's nice to have this storefront but it's not a necessity i think for a lot of stores and also in our area as we've said a million times it's a lot of galleries and showrooms and so they need a space but they don't necessarily need a storefront like yeah. if you're going to look at kitchen faucets and cabinets like you, you can, can just ring a bell and go up to a second floor like you don't have to walk in off the street yeah but i think there's still a lot of distance in the customer's mind between the act of ring to me i'm much mm -hmm. more hesitant to ring so, yeah. a bell still yeah like i'm not just gonna ring a bell for a showroom that's on the so, second floor yeah that's another place that closed was the line the oh, yeah, apartment yeah. by the line in new york which somehow i didn't know that closed i think they closed really subtly about a year ago and their instagram is totally silent i can't find so apparently the la thing is still there a little bit but again another thing but that seems to be complicated it's like part of a umbrella organization yeah. i don't really understand what it is. Figure out what it is sorry my chair is squeaking yeah. I can't really figure out what it is, but again... But that's, like, the art... It's, like, the concept concept store. It's, like, a concept concept store where you're, like, it's going to be on the second floor. Will people yeah. come up? And apparently not enough. That would seem like lots of... 
influencers. I know. Well, it's, again, it's back to the looky-loo thing. Yeah. It's like you're going to say you went there. You're not going to buy the Valentino heels, actually. Yeah. Well, maybe you should. <laughs> Who needs to pay rent when you can buy pretty shoes? I know. I think you should pay rent um, instead of shoes. But I wonder how all of this is affecting how a brand approaches being a designer these days if they have the aspiration to be in a store. Like how starting your own design line or to further your line? With knowing that this is the state of retail, Mm -hmm. how do they decide to start a line or grow it? Yeah, because it, it's very discouraging to think about it because you have to kind of approach it differently now. And than it's you expensive. Used to. And it's totally yeah. expensive to start a line. Yeah, you can't really just, I mean, you can obviously just like sew it in your living room, yeah. but you'll never be able to fulfill orders that way. Well, maybe. I guess it depends on what you're making. But that's a really good point is how are there any new designers if there's, if the only option is now direct to consumer because then you need even more capital because direct-to-consumer means that you're owning all your own inventory, um, which is a big problem for a lot of brands about starting their own e-commerce or whatever. It's, I mean, it's a big a, investment. In a way, it's not any different than what we're doing. We're owning all of our inventory, yeah. too, but they're just owning all of their own inventory, so it's like they're putting they all their all eggs in one yeah. basket rather than putting their eggs in lots of little baskets, yeah. which is what we do. Yeah, because we diversify, and so if one line goes bust then we kind of, you know, take our losses on that line, but it's not going to wreck us. Like, just because this one line we bought didn't sell one season, we're not going to go out of business. But if if you are that line and you are the only thing and no one buys any of your sweaters or whatever, you're just, you're done. You're stuck with all this inventory. You might be in debt and just no one wants it. Yeah, that's another thing I wish I knew more, which no one is totally going to share that information. Is <laughs> like debt. no, Yeah, no one talks yeah. about going into debt in this business um, or how much credit people are leaning on. I have no idea how many people pay for things with credit cards yeah. versus how many write checks or pay with QuickBooks or send wire yeah. transfers with real cash versus, I don't borrowed know, money. borrowed money. And you can't know if they have a line of credit with their bank. Yeah. Um, because then you also owe a lot of fees on said borrowed money. Yeah. So that's a whole other thing. Yeah. So, that, yeah, right. That's a whole other thing. Which but, maybe we can talk but about. It, but no, it also, it also affects staying open. Like, I think you need to have a healthy cash flow mm-hmm. when you're having your store open. If you don't have that, then your store can't stay open. Yeah. You need well, to constantly having this ebb and flow. Yeah. I mean, there's um, a designer now that I follow on Instagram, who's now starting to do, like, pre-sales and to supplement the work of the people that she hires so that it's a consistent income flow for them the entire year versus just very heavy pockets of it. Um, And I feel like that's how stores should also try and, like, kind of spread things out so that you're theoretically having money come in pretty evenly all the time versus just, like, chunks of it, which is why people are scared to go freelance and whatever. It's because you're not going to have that consistent salary throughout the year. You might just get like five or six big hunks of money throughout the year. Yeah. Which is scary. Why would not be conducive to owning a store because then you're still on the hook for your rent. Yeah. The thing that always about pre-sales or anything made to order, I struggled with that because I sensed there was a need for immediate gratification. And I feel like I've been very surprised the amount of people who have been able to make that successful. And I think that somehow they branded it, that it was better. 
And I mean, it is better for the environment to make things made to order because then you have less leftover stock. Yeah. But the amount but you still have leftover stock because yeah. people still return things, and thus lots of sample yeah. sales. Yeah, I think it, it's just—I don't know. The internet has made a hype about lots of different things mm-hmm. within the past three years, but already you see them kind of plateauing and such. Sorry, I know I, a lot of people like that who then have to have these samples, like quote unquote sample sales. But they're not like they're, perfectly fine merchandise. It's just yeah. they made this piece to order, and then the customer say didn't like the fit of the shoe or didn't like yeah. the color, and so then they send it back, and now so now this person who doesn't do or ready to wear now has a bunch of inventory that now they have to do something with. And so maybe they can still sell it. And I do follow a lot of brands that do. It's just now it's so much more work because now they have to photograph each unique piece and be like, this is this size, this is this color, this is this, all these details. And then it starts to kind of, I guess, probably be just a giant time suck. And I think it makes the thing start to look less less special. Yeah, because it's not made for you. It's made for someone else and it didn't work out. And I mean, I, I have bought something from that and I quite, I quite like what I bought, but it's, it's more that was like a good opportunity to buy something at a lower price point that I was interested in, but wasn't totally ready to commit fully. But again, that's another hardship of direct to consumer. I know. Stepping back a second, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe for shops staying open in like five years and 10 years, you'll see more. And I think that would be kind of cool as if people could rent larger warehouse spaces where everyone has a indie space, an indie department store yeah. of sorts. And I think that would be kind of awesome and an interesting solution to the problem. Um, it's like the Reading Terminal. Yeah, but kind of like making it... If you don't know what the Reading Terminal is... What is the Reading Terminal? It's like, it's like a big, fun, it's like the size independent of a grocery shop yeah. with lots of stalls in it. Yeah. Like Quincy Market in Boston, except a million times better. Quincy Market is kind of touristy. <laughs> this is touristy, too, but yeah. it's actually functional it's, as a market. Yeah, like you can buy produce, you can buy candles, you can buy Amish quilts, yeah. you can buy sticky buns. And it's just, it's, I guess it's kind of moving that farmer indoor farmer's market type concept to maybe more retail, more... Yeah. Usable, like a craft fair, but yeah. all year round. The problem with that is, it would. I would hope that it would form in a co-op mm-hmm. setting in which everyone ha- would have joint ownership over yeah. it. But would probably be more likely to happen is some venture capitalist yeah. dude comes in and buys a big building, and then, and then he's like, "I have such a great idea. Yeah. I'm. He- I see you, venture capitalist dude. <laughs> You're gonna take my idea. Yeah. <laughs> but that would." You know, it's an indie department store. Yeah. And then it's like, again, you're going full circle and bringing back department stores, which is kind of cool. I think, I think department stores are fascinating. Yeah. Also, it's interesting. I don't see, and I follow pretty large amount of countries on Instagram for stores. Like, I don't just be like, I'm only following yeah. U.S. stores. But I feel like I see more closing in the U.S. Yeah. But I, maybe, maybe I'm not following. Maybe they're more public about it. Yeah. Versus, like, kind of quietly just disappearing. Slipping away. And also, that's always interesting, the public, like, saying that you're going out of, well, not necessarily going out of business, but you're just closing. It's kind of interesting. I know, because I hate when people step in and they're like, oh my god, I'm so sad you're closing, like, stopping by in 20 minutes, like, Yeah, and it's like, well, did you, did you patronize them while they were open? open? No, you didn't. You looky-looed. And there are people, I'll just say, like, there are people who are in this business when I was just starting 10 years ago where I was like, whoa, it would be the coolest thing in the world for me to be carried there or whatever. And now they're not there and that scares the crap out of yeah. me. 
And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that information? How can yeah. I, do I need to repivot my business every mm-hmm. two years just to make sure to we're fresh. here? But then, I mean, not that we're not doing anything fresh or cool, <laughs> but like the business is still growing. Yeah. And I don't know how that's possible, honestly. I know. I'm like, we got to keep keep one step ahead before it starts shrinking at all. I mean, I guess also I I have plans for, like, what I want to do, like, for the store in the future, ideas I have and ways to change it, and I get nervous. For me, all of this affects me because I don't know what decisions to make Mm -hmm. now to plan for, like, what we do next. Yeah, because it's so uncertain. Because it's so uncertain. There's so many ideas I have and that... Elise and I have, and then mm-hmm. friends and I have related to this, but I don't know how like secure the they are. Right? What does the future hold? I don't yeah. know. I kind of vote jump in two feet, go yeah. for it. Yeah. So, but again, it's not my business, so it's easy for me to be like, just <laughs> go for it, just spend all your money. <laughs> but like again, that's not. I mean, obviously, God forbid, knock on wood. If something happened to here, it'd be not great for me because it's my job. <laughs> but it's like. I don't know if there's a point in kind of not going not for going it. for it. Yeah, but there's no there's no one doing that. I feel like everyone's just being very conservative. Yeah. Also, because like it's an election I mean, year, which yeah. apparently matters. Yeah, which and it's like, like we thought. Around. I think we are conservative. We're more conservative than most people. No, not politically. <laughs> we are not conservative politically <laughs> at all. <laughs> But, like, but I'm financially conservative, yeah. I would say. Like, we really check our numbers. We're getting even better about checking your numbers. And if you're a store and you don't check your numbers and you don't review yourself through... Spreadsheets! I just recommend checking your numbers. Like, that's a good way to stay yeah. open. It's just being constantly on top of your finances. Yeah. And also something that we're doing is we're tracking all our designers to see how they're doing. And now we're having to make decisions about who's who to pull back on and who to move forward on based on how well... They're, they're doing for us and it's really sad because we really love some designers who don't do so well with our customers so it's kind of figuring out how to you know wiggle in there and see if we can make it work and then if we can't sadly say adieu <laughs> to you and you, and you. <laughs> yeah so it's an uncertain time in the industry but and then like, is everyone just getting paranoid and, that, and then is everyone getting paranoid and then not doing new things as a result because they're paranoid and then everyone's just like oh retail's boring but it's only because everyone's terrified that they're going to go out of business yeah so hold back go go for it leap and the net will appear yeah and remember putting a cafe in your store doesn't solve the problem no because they need to deal with like food licenses yes that's a whole other thing kit and caboodle or start a house line but make sure it's unique and does not cannibalize your other lines keep it fresh keep it weird even new. <laughs> All these great ideas. Because we like retail and we want to yeah, stick around. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because Jesse so, was asking me the other night. Jesse's her husband. Are you, do you like what you do? And it seems like such a simple question, but yeah. it's a really weighted question. And it's like, in theory, yes, I yeah. like what I do, but some things feel like they shouldn't be as much of a struggle as they are. Mm-hmm. And I think I have to remember that me doing all of this now is different than someone starting to do this 20 years ago, even without the internet. Like, it's just a different thing, and things are so different. You can't even compare them. It's apples and oranges. So mm-hmm. I like what I do a lot, in theory. Yeah, just be not sustainable. Yeah. It's just not always perfect. But someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. 
Um, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We're now available on Spotify, which is very exciting because As I well. read a whole long legal thing about it. Um, and so you can listen to us there and iTunes and anywhere else you might get your podcasts. And again, please rate and review and subscribe as well. Um, it makes us feel all warm and happy inside. Um, like warm so, cookies. Yeah. Oh, and a glass of milk. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I'm Elise. And I'm Julia. And, and thanks for listening. And over and out. And we'll see you later. See you next time.